0: Good morning, Mount Joy Mennonite. If you will raise to your feet as you are able, we're going to sing this morning about the conquering of death, that Jesus has given us the victory, and we get to live in the glorious day of his life. I get to be here for the next three weeks, so I'm super excited to lead and join along, you guys. Yeah, yeah, super exciting. So this morning, we just sang about victory, about the victory that we have in Jesus, and we're gonna kind of continue that theme here with our next song, which is Death Was Arrested. Um, and I've been reading uh, through the Old Testament a lot and thinking a lot about the battles that are coming and the different things that the Israelites had to walk through. And oftentimes they send the worshipers and the instrumental and people who played music to the front lines of all the battles. And they come into this place where worship and bringing praise to God is a way of fighting, is a way of pushing that back. So I'm going to uh, read a psalm here. Um, psalm fifty-nine, sixteen says, But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning for you have been a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. So as we continue to worship here, let's think and remember that the way that we sing, the way that we bring honor and glory to God is a way of pushing back darkness, is a way of pushing back death. And so we're going to sing how through Jesus and his power that he has conquered Death. He has conquered the grave, and death has to be arrested. It has to listen to him because he is the author and creator of life. So, as we sing about this next song, would we, would we rest in the power that Jesus has, in the presence that he has in our life through the presence of his Holy Spirit?
1: You're welcome, and uh, thanks for that imagery this morning of, uh, of praise as a uh, as a tool and as a weapon for for, for following Jesus, for defending our faith, for um, for defeating the enemy. Uh, it's a beautiful a beautiful uh, analogy and imagery for us as we live a life for Jesus. Well, good morning, Mount Joy, men night. Uh, we welcome you here. I welcome you here to be with us, whether you're online or here in person, it's uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, I invite you to, uh, if you're new especially, to check out the connection card that's in the pew in front of you. If you're online, there's a link on the YouTube if you scroll down there. This is a way for us to connect with you uh, and you to connect with us. If you want to find out more about Mount Joy Mennonite or if you want to share uh, prayer concerns or, or things that you're excited about or questions about, this is this is a great way to do that. Um, I also want to say for, uh, for the church as well as myself, thank you for giving. Thank you for the fact that you participate in giving. Uh, we have a slide that tells you different ways you can do that. We're doing a good job of, uh, of maintaining our level of giving. And, and honestly, uh, it's a great way to do uh, what, we, what we say we are about in our mission statement. Our mission statement says that we seek to enjoy God. That's a way to enjoy God. We seek to love each other. great way to love each other is to help cover the expenses. And we seek to bless our neighbors. And one of the ways we bless our neighbors is through some of the giving, some of the, the, some of the budget items where we're able to give back to either people in need or to missions and ministry, uh, both uh, near and far. So that's a great way for you to participate, and we, uh, we thank you for doing that. Uh, we have a date now for our community picnic. Speaking of community, uh, it's going to be on August the 26th. Uh, It's in the afternoon from 4.30 to 7.30, and it's across the street at the Lakes Park uh, where we've had it for the last few years. Uh, This this, uh, event is a great opportunity for us to get to know each other and to mix uh, with our neighborhood and our community over there. Uh, A lot of you that are sitting in the pew right now uh, met us at at a past community picnic, and we're excited about that. And there's going to be all the things that we like. There's going to be food. There's going to be fun, there's going to be games, um, and there's going to be a lot of screaming kids. No, um, uh, that'll probably be there too, but we're going to have fun. It's going to be outdoor and they don't sound as loud. Um, So save the date, August the 26th, 4.30 to 7.30. Um, uh, Some of you might know our high schoolers uh, spent a little over a week in Honduras. Uh, They're back now, and uh, tonight in the gym at 6 p.m., they're going to share uh, some of their story with us. Uh, and retell some of the experiences from that trip. Uh, There's going to be coffee, light refreshments, and uh, right now we have a chance to turn our attention to the screen and uh, check out a little recap video, a little highlight for tonight. And following that, I'm going to invite uh, Becky and Reagan Stevens forward, and they'll be sharing this morning's scripture reading. Thank you.
2: This morning we will be reading from John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known.
1: Thank you, ladies. Um, There's something about hearing children or young ladies. Um, reading scripture that just really touches my heart, I love that. Um, now it's my pleasure to, uh, to introduce to you today's speaker, uh, Keith Blank. Uh, Keith, I, uh, I consider him as a close friend and brother. Uh, we've had uh, a number of experiences together, local, near and far. Keith serves as bishop for the Landisville Manor District uh, of LMC, which is the, uh, the district that we are in. Our church and nine others make up that, that district. Um, I was just thinking the word bishop for me. I grew. I didn't grow up in the Mennonite church. Uh, my wife is the second Mennonite that I ever met in my life uh, when I was 18 years old. So the the, the term bishop was very uh, very Catholic uh, or chess oriented. Um, uh, so so my notion of bishop um, was 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 a little stilted. And uh, I would say that Keith is the antithesis of that. He is uh, he's approachable. He's warm. He's caring. Uh, He's a leader uh, who works very hard uh, both for us and with us as a congregation, and I've experienced that. Uh, He's also, this will be appropriate for you, he's also a very engaging and easy to listen to speaker. So uh, it's my pleasure to invite Keith forward at this time to speak to us this morning. And I'm going to pray with him, for him and with us uh, at this time. Father, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to worship this morning, to gather here uh, in freedom and humility before you. Thank you for, um, for the fact that we could start with praise and we could just uh, offer that as a, as a weapon to fight off the enemy this morning and to, and to make room for you in this place. And uh, as a congregation, that's what we uh, invite you to do in us, to, to make room in our hearts for you. Lord, to move out uh, the obstacles, uh, whatever they may be, uh, illness, depression, uh, apathy. Uh, move, remove those from our heart and make room uh, for you to move and be a part of us and, and work in and through us. Uh, Lord, as, uh, as Keith opens your word into uh, one of my favorite passages, that first chapter of John, and just the imagery there, Lord. We just pray that you would give him uh, your Holy Spirit's presence and that our hearts would be attuned to your Holy Spirit's word as he speaks to us through Keith this morning. Uh, We just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Thank you, Marshall, and uh, thank
4: you, church, for an opportunity to be here. Uh, It is always a a delight to be here. And before I kind of dive into this, Earl, I just uh, uh, wanted to note, Logan, thank you so much for the make room song. Uh, that room, that song has been incredibly formative in my life uh, in the past year and a half. And uh, sharing a little testimonially, testimonially in reference to some of what I'll be sharing here at the at the front end uh, around LMC and the mission vision um, is uh, that uh, a little over uh, well. Three years ago, we began to recognize that Keith Weaver, our moderator, uh, his time with us was coming to a close. And as as, uh, as bishops, not chess pieces, but bishops, we met together praying around this and really asked the Lord, where do we go? Uh, Keith had more than uh, 38 years of engagement with Bishop Ward, 23 of them uh, as the moderator. So you have this institutional memory. You've got kind of something that is. And also in the last five years, he was there, something was stirring deep Uh, within uh, the the leaders uh, in LMC about shifting not who we were but what we were becoming in that context Uh, and instead of actually hiring another moderator the sense was to name four persons from that board of bishops to serve um, as uh, a bishop elders team walk through that discernment process and I was one of those four that was called to that uh, so I now serve, uh, in addition to my role as a, as a, as a, as a bishop overseer for this district, and also as a, as a co-vocational realtor, uh, I serve helping, I'll say helping, trusting God to guide in the process of something shifting and changing that is the new thing that God wants to do, and, uh, uh, I 'm I'm privileged to serve on that team with to win win. To win is uh, uh, originally from Vietnam, lived in Philadelphia as a bishop, and most recently is in California, uh, though he is, uh, he is in that context. i 'm getting a lot of echo feedback. Is there any way of adjusting that? Um, sorry about that. that 's 100 percent better for me. You can still hear me though. Great. Um, uh, Along with Marcia Milan and Rodney Martin, and the four of us uh, function as kind of the executive, the moderator right now within LMC. And I say that because it really connects Logan with this song, because the song really is centered around this making room for God, even when we don't know what all we're doing in that. Uh, And for sure, we don't know what he's going to do in the midst of that. It's this invitation to a new place, a new space. And so any congregation I get in now, including the ones that I oversee, I'm sharing uh, what uh, was up before, and for Earl, you can put that back up, this LMC, uh, our mission vision. And really, as we've sat with this, this was formed probably five years ago. The last two years, it has really begun to to kind of get embedded in the system and really say that our vision on this mission vision is to be a spirit-led movement. That's the vision. We want to be a people who are led by the spirit of God. It's aspirational. You grow in walking in the Spirit. You don't someday say, oh, I'm going to be Spirit-led. You follow the Spirit. You learn to hear. You learn to listen. You become intimately connected with the one who we know as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that begins to transform what you do. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And walking in that place begins to change the way in which you engage and you walk in this. And so we were Lancaster Mennonite Conference. I say this everywhere just so you know, we are not Lancaster Mennonite Conference anymore, okay? Just to make that clear. But we are LMC, so that is problematic, okay? Because LMC and Lancaster Mennonite Conference kind of connect. Um. So we're still working at the branding part of that, uh, still thinking through that, but we are LMC, a Fellowship of Anabaptist Churches, and in that context, we're not LMC because we're not Lancaster. Uh, In truth, 50% of our congregations now are non-white, and uh, the reality in terms of where we're from, uh, probably at least 40% are no longer within two hours driving of Lancaster. Radical shift from what we were. So we can't call it Lancaster. It's not helpful. It only reinforces a hub, and we're really trying to be a movement uh, engaged in this process. Uh, Mennonite, it's not that we don't want to be Mennonite because we are, but our focus is more on Anabaptist values than the name Mennonite because in some places Mennonite is only interpreted as ethnic. Like you are born Mennonite or you're not. Um, And the truth is that as an Anabaptist is convictions and they're interchangeable in some ways. It's just recognizing in some places that's not helpful. And we're not trying to say we're not Mennonite. We're just simply saying our focus is on the Anabaptist values. And then uh, in in, in that context, uh, conference, the truth is that a conference is usually part of a larger denomination, which we're not. Uh, And we're not even necessarily aspiring to be a denomination. We're really seeking to be more movement or network oriented that is less about the central hub and is much more about how are we connecting with each other around common values, around a common core. So uh, we're learning, but I'll do my best to say what we are and what we aspire to be. And then the, the mission really is for us to make disciples of Jesus, mobilize every member as a missionary and multiply faith communities locally and beyond. And a recognition that part of this call for every disciple of Jesus is first and foremost to follow, to learn what it means to follow Jesus. And then out of that place and space, we go on the mission he sends us to. You know, I thought about it today. I prayed over uh, Carl and Nita in, in the service just because I felt like the Lord stirred something in me. But God's calling you to mission. It just happens to not be here at Mount Joy Mennonite Church in this next season. And that's okay. But you're called on mission wherever it is that he is yet to show you. Maybe you know, maybe you know more than I know the last time, but that's okay. Um, and in that space, each one of us in the same way, wherever we're placed, are being called to be on mission in that location. Good. I find it fascinating that as a, as a, as a realtor, and as now a bishop, but I was a pastor in that context, I have as much and sometimes more opportunity to represent Christ as a realtor than I did as a pastor. Now, that's not the sermon for today. I'm just telling you that's the real deal in the sense because I'm on mission in the place where I connect with people every day. I think that's enough on this one just to note that's, a, what we're gathering around as a part of a, of a, a network, a fellowship of a churches, really seeking to be on movement uh, with Christ. So to today's message: this, uh, the Word became flesh, uh, or becoming flesh, as we've as we've named it. This sense of that part, really, the Word become, be, became flesh more than two thousand years ago. Jesus, the Messiah, arrived on this earth, and guess what? Most of us would have missed him because how he came and in what what way he came didn't look at all like what the people of that day or what we would imagine Jesus would look like. Just no, not as an infant who was helpless and fully human and fully divine. It just doesn't work. But it's what God planned to do in that space and place. And he came completely dependent on his mother and father But he was God incarnate. Uh, Latin there, incarna, really means in the flesh. So this flesh thing here really works because it is God, the very presence of God, coming in human form to come among us and to represent the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Uh, John the Apostle writes The Word became flesh, and over time, Jesus grew up into a man, fully human, fully divine. And Luke 2.52 says, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Let's just pause and thank God for the amazing gift of Jesus, God incarnate on this earth. Lord, we thank you for, for, we thank you for your ways which are higher than our ways. That your ways go beyond what we can even comprehend or imagine And in that space and place, Lord, we say, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for the way in which this revelation has transformed our lives. And for the ways that even today you want to transform us through your word with fresh revelation. We receive it. We honor you. We love you. We give our lives afresh to you to make room for you today. In that strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The central verse really in this passage and really what we've been talking about here is in John 1, 14 says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Now it's interesting in this, in this context that key word dwelling uh, and there's different words that are used in different translations. Uh, it's it's uh, the, the word is, is skeno'o, the, the Greek word dwelling. And it means to fix one's tabernacle, to have, one, have one's tabernacle or to abide or live in the tabernacle, a tent or tent. To tabernacle among us, kind of like a verb almost, <laughs> you know, but we don't think of a tabernacle as a verb, but it's that sense that he's coming to be among us. That was the essence of that. Now, the the Jewish people would have understood this very well because of the Feast of Sukkoth. They had the Feast of Tabernacle and it was remembering this journey to freedom that came out of slavery into the place where they encountered the presence of God again and again, albeit through 40 years of wandering because they were stubborn and they didn't really wanna follow what God was calling them to and yet he still fulfilled his promise. And they entered into this promised land, this new place. And we could look again. Uh, uh, you know, thank you uh, uh, again. Well, I forgot your first name again, Logan. Thank you again for reminding us, as your testimonial around the, the, the journey of, of of the reading through the Old Testament, these many many lessons that we learn by looking at the big story. You see, the Bible; it really is the history. The full story from then until that apostolic age began in the sense of the church being formed. But it also ends with a prophetic image of what is to come. Which again, I'll just let you know this and you you might say you want to correct the bishop. But none of us understands what all revelation is about. We can read it. We can teach on that We can give input to the best that we know with asking for Holy Spirit's wisdom. But you know what? It is a revelation of what is yet to come and God will unveil that as we are walking into that space and place. So this, this tabernacling among us, this being with us, Jesus' life was about coming among us to show us the Father. The Father's love, the Father's heart, the Father's grace, the Father's Delight. He came to allow us to connect in a very deep and intimate sort of way with God, and there is this place where we can say we can almost make make Christianity. Maybe in some of the contexts today, it seems like we're almost like, yeah, Jesus is my friend, and whenever I have a problem, Jesus fixes it." And we miss the glory, <laughs> the transcendent part of who He is. But in truth, He's both. <laughs> He is our friend. He's the one who walks closely with us, and he is also so far above what we can even begin to grasp, to imagine, to understand. So our text for today has already been read, and I just uh, want us to spend a little bit of time in uh, like uh, four chunks of this of this of this passage, with a couple of references or things I wanted to share. Uh, again, John one one through five said, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The first thing I want to note in this is that Jesus was the living word. Jesus was the living word. He was, it says, in the beginning was the word, in him was life. There was this this reality that Jesus was the living word. And sometimes, and I'll say especially in the context of Western thinking, this becomes kind of our religion. Now, I have to be careful here. I get reprimanded most times when I share this. I honor this word of God. But I've studied this word of God in secular institutions where the professor was, an atheist and had no idea what profound things he was placing before people. But he didn't see it in any way as a revelation of God. I heard it once said that we're called to fall in love with the Lord of the book and not the book of the Lord. Now again, we, we, can, we can dice this all different ways here and we have to understand that's still in, in a way of trying to communicate a message, but my first allegiance is to Jesus. I have to know him, encounter him, have his, work, trans, his life transforming me, his, his very transforming life in me, and out of that and because of knowing him, I, the Holy Spirit allows me to read this with different eyes, with a different heart, with different ears. One of the things I often pray, a friend of mine uh, teaching was engaging around this stuff, and he said, one of his prayers was, Lord, help me to see what I cannot see and to hear what I cannot hear. That's revelation, brothers and sisters. That's the revelation of the Spirit, Spirit of God within us. And I'll say it again. I honor this Word of God. This is the Word of God. I have no question about that. But when I only use my left brain, to understand and decipher and work at these things and say, I, I've got it all figured out. Let me tell you how you should live your life because I've figured it out. And I don't allow the mystery of this right brain part of who I am as well that brings the mystery of God, the relational component, the beauty of God into it. We miss out on this not being an intellectual exercise where in my mind I give myself to you, but my heart has not yet encountered you. That's now that's another message all its own, but we'll just kind of park that one there for now. The second thing that, uh, that in this passage catches my attention is that in him, it says he was a living word, but in him was life and light. In him was life and light. In him was life and light. Nothing else. In the very encounter with the risen Christ, with Jesus who represented the Godhead here on earth and who said when he was going to go, what did he say? He said, my father will what? You can help me out. But what will my father send? A comforter, the Holy Spirit. The very presence of God, again, now not in the person of Jesus, but in the presence of the Spirit lives within us. And he actually says, it's better that I go away. Because when I'm here, I'm limited to the space and place where my physical body is. Even though it seemed like he'd get around all over the place in, in the context. But still, I'm limited. But when the Spirit comes, there's no limitation. The Spirit comes and lives within us. In him, in Jesus, but in the Godhead, in God himself, the wholeness of the Trinity dwells within us instructs us and teaches us and guides us and shows us the way every day, in fact, every minute of every day. Now, like you, I get caught up in my work a lot of times and I kind of forget about the fact that God's there, but he usually reminds me in some way of, like, "Ah, how do I do this? There's just that sense of, oh, this is something to pause and to stop and just listen, what God might speak to me in this situation. We continue on then in this passage, and then it begins to shift to John. He said, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So he's testifying about that light that we're being invited to, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the he, he world, was, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. To me, this is another key piece: is that John was a witness to the light. He came as a witness to the light. Even though people were ranting and raving over John, and, uh, for those of you who are, who are uh, the Chosen fans, th- there's a, this guy's a little crazy. And I think John the Baptist actually was a little crazy in the sense that it was there. Crazy in a good way, but he was not going to be held back from declaring what the Spirit of God had planted in his heart. But he came as a witness to testify the light. Or as the Scripture says, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He was not the light. He came as a witness to that light. Our task as followers of Jesus is to bear witness to the light. Sometimes using words. Now we live in the world of evangelicalism which says the more words you say, the more impact you're gonna have. Um, We also live in a culture that is highly extroverted. When I travel globally, I realize how extroverted our culture is. And sorry to those of you who are introverts out there. In, 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 okay, that's a side note. We, we need to move on from that. But just a recognition that in this place, in this space, there is a bearing witness. It's not primarily about information. Think about a witness on the witness stand. Are they giving information? Yes, but they're giving information about what they experienced. They're actually testifying to what the Spirit what what has happened in that context, we're to testify, again, through our lives, sometimes with words, and and, and you hear that carefully, I'm just saying that, because we're to testify, and I've watched a lot of people testifying, and mostly what they're doing is spewing out information to people, but the person doesn't even know them, or they don't even talk about what has happened in their life as a result of encounter with Jesus. John was a witness. We're called to bear witness to Jesus about the ways that he has met us, about the ways that he's transforming our lives. Moving on to the third section here. In that passage, there's two things, that, that this section, that two things that caught my attention. The first was that Jesus say, came so that we could be children of God. He came to open the door for us to connect as a part of this big family, sons and daughters. And I love how it says it in that context, uh, that there is this place where he gave the right to become children of God that, that place of those who believe in his name, he gave that right to be children, sons, sons and daughters. I always say we, in, in this context, it's not always both gender, but it's, it's, it's understood in the context. It's for, for all sonship and daughtership. We are children. And he came into the world and it says his own, the ones he created, the very ones he created, did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, all who said, yes, I believe in you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. He gave the right to be sons and daughters, to become the children of God. And as we believe in his name, we have that opportunity to be born anew in God, into new life we are his children his sons and daughters and that's another whole message as well these are these are like standout points in the context of this scripture that can could actually be taught into an understanding what is sonship what is daughtership and the concepts of being connected to the king of kings the second thing is really centered around what we've talking about we talked about already in so many ways in 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 the in the context of, of verse 14 that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us the word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. He was here on this earth, walking with people, inviting them. That space and place, and this is one of those ones that has really stirred me in these last couple of years. Some of it's because uh, for me, I'm relational connecting sort of person i'm also visual in the sense that what's there and when i've watched the chosen in that context in the space and place when jesus with a look of just love and invitation says follow me follow me and something melts inside of me and i just say i want to follow you more lord i want to follow you more fully I want to understand what that means in the midst of a culture and context where there are so many screaming voices that are inviting me to something else that easily catch my attention and distract me from the simple devotion to surrender and to make room in my heart for what God wants to do in me and in each one of your lives. The word became flesh moved into the neighborhood we'll come back to that concept there but just closing out this passage I don't have any points on this one other than I felt like I was supposed to continue with this text uh, through verse 18 and it said he John testified concerning him and he cried out saying this is the one I spoke about when I said he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me and then listen carefully. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in close relationship with the Father, he made him known. And this concept of of, of this grace and truth, the law for Moses and this grace and truth, but this little phrase in there that this, again, this is a sermon in itself, but out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. There, is, there was an increase of the understanding of grace when Jesus came and lived among us and modeled the heart of the, of the Trinity. And then... Express the fullness of that love and that grace by dying on the cross for each one of us There is a greater grace Now we we, we easily get into this battle right now and, and and I'm gonna just go here very briefly But just to say we're in a, a place where we've got in some ways debates in the church church around grace or truth Are you a grace church? Anything goes, just people should be loved no matter what? Or are you a truth church where you stand for something? And I look at it and say, it said he was full of grace and truth. I'm not sure you can take those apart. That really it becomes much more about what is Holy Spirit saying and saying in this context, there's going to need to be truth spoken here. There's gonna need to be grace exercised here. There's gonna need to be a blend of grace and truth in this situation. Who knows what is needed in that situation? Only the Spirit of God knows what is needed in that space and place. It invites me, it invites you to a deeper knowing of what God not only is saying when I read the word, but is speaking to me in real time as I'm interacting with someone who is hungry for truth, but who may be afraid of the church for what they've experienced in the past. It was recently in Bulgaria. Uh, I lead learning journeys uh, with small clusters of men to a. a a segment of southern Bulgaria, almost all uh, uh, Muslim villages, about 500 in in that context. My friend Hadi and and Penka Atanasov engaged in that context. And the short story in this context, and it ties in here, is this last time I was there uh, in the spring. Uh, Hadi is an avid fisherman. Really, his fishing has started recently because 10 years ago, the Lord spoke to him and spoke in that context about the importance of him taking sabbath as a pastor and as a passionate apostle in that he wants to work all the time just go 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 and the lord spoke to him said you need to take a day to rest and listen it ended up being a place where he's not too far from the greek border and then down to uh, the aegean sea there and started fishing there we were talking about this reality the team in hadi as we were driving and, uh, and I just said that sometimes I think what we've done in the church is we've scared people away from the gospel because of how we've done it. And he just kind of looked at me a twinkle in his eye. He said, Jesus called us to be fishers of men and women. And then he paused, that pregnant pause, there's something coming here. He said, don't scare the fish. That's, an, that's also another sermon that's percolating in my, in my heart. Peterson says, uh, uh, in the paraphrase of, of, of this John 1.14 that we're centered around, said the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Have I moved into my neighborhood? Am I present in that space where people know who I am, what I represent, how I live my life? because I'm connected relationally with them, We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Again, that's a paraphrase. It's not a translation of scripture, but it's a paraphrase that gives us a different way of looking at that. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. This is our calling calling as followers of Jesus, as little Christ, to move into the neighborhood to become the incarnate presence of Christ for those who do not yet know him. It's part of our mission statement that everyone in LMC is a missionary. Not the classic way we think of missionary. Really what it is, it's one who is sent, some of them to the other side of the world, or to a mission trip, but where they live, work and play, is the place where they get to represent the one who is love. So I'm, going to land, I'm going to land this plane now, uh, my dear friend Carl, because uh, you and I both know that I have too many stories to fit into one sermon. But the, the reality of the word becoming flesh is the way I phrased this title for this, is the word is becoming, the word became flesh. We know about that, but the word is becoming flesh because as the Spirit of God comes in here and transforms and renews me and you, that now is a temple of the Word of God that actually represents or represents Christ to others. How pure is the temple? How pure are the motives? How full of the Spirit are each one of us so that when we're doing that, we're representing Him well. And I'll close with a story. Uh, this is uh, Lester and Mary Lou Blank family, circa 1962. Uh, I'm that little squirt up there that was born in 1962, so it's probably uh, late 62, maybe even early 63. My parents served uh, in one of the most remote villages in Mexico, sent by Franconia Mennonite Missions. Uh, could not even get into this village except by horseback or donkey or whatever when they first moved there, or at least we're doing exploration. Two, I was born in Mexico, two of my siblings after me that aren't here in this picture were born there as well. But I, I use this example to st- tell a story because after 40 years away from that village, God has reconnected me and my brothers with this village. And my father as well, who's uh, 94 years old, was uh, 89 when he was reconnected. And something, something just touched me deep in my heart as I was there. 40 years, it's childhood memories, it's over, it's done. And you go back and you see what presence-based witness looks like. And you say, Be encouraged, people, because you don't have to see the fruit of everything you do for God to have worked. My parents came back in 1972, after almost 12 years in that village, 11 years in that village, and in that context, they came back with no knowledge of even one believer. 10 years of laboring, 10 years of engagement, Uh, say 10, 10 or 11 it was in terms of total time and the reality in that context they came back disappointed an animistic village Catholicism had impacted in some negative ways there but the powerful influence was really the belief in spirits and every summer those next five years after we came back we drove five days down to Mexico stayed there six or seven weeks and then would come back second summer 12 young men were baptized Next summer, eight more, five of them women, and the church was planted after we had already left. And then 40 years later, I don't have time to tell how the story happened, but my younger brother just had a sense that he wanted to go back on a reunion tour to kind of see what was there. I couldn't go because I'm always too busy, and so I was like, no, I can't fit it in my schedule, and I don't know why I'd go back there right now. But my my younger brother and his wife, my uh, older brother and his wife and my dad went back And something happened in my brother Paul, the youngest in his heart while he was there. He said, we're not done here yet. We have to be engaged to stand alongside and encourage. And we've had two other trips after that, that I was part part of both of those. And this last one, what I heard and I saw in that context, suddenly we were sons of the village again. 40 years away, in fact, since we left almost 50 years And yet we were invited back into that space and they began to tell stories of what my dad's life and my mom and dad's life, how it impacted them as small children. These are my peers that I played with. And how now as leaders in the church, those were the seeds that were planted even though they didn't come to faith while my parents were actually living there. And both times I was down, I preached from this passage in John Um, where it talks about John came and was sent from God. He was a witness to testify about this. And I rephrased it and put my parents in there and their names instead of John. And as I preached, and I won't preach in Spanish here, and I can't preach in Spanish. I can talk in Spanish but not preach, at least not yet. And I just said there was a couple sent from God whose names were Lester and Mary Lou They came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. Mary Lou and Lester were not the light. They came only as witnesses to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into La Laguna, name of the town. It's a mystery how these things work. We're not in charge of the timing and the way or whatever. We're called to be witnesses and to represent Christ. And I think of this in the, in the context of knowing that it felt like last trip that heaven came to earth in that context. And I was talking about this with my wife, Brenda, who's an artist, and she said, oh, I painted a picture on heaven came to earth during COVID. Uh, this is the image of that. These days, I'm more embracing of mystery and the ways God works that are way beyond mine And looking at those ways and saying it has to do with connecting with a God who was present on this earth, is present in this place, and invites us to open ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit as we walk with this incredible God. The reality is that when I think of the treaky that's the name of the people group that my parents work with, that heaven came to earth when Lester and Mary Lou took their four kids and moved into that little 15 by 30 house. My dad renovated the upstairs to bedrooms and then two more came. So there were eight of us living in 15 by 30 space. It was a mansion. It's all we knew. It's all we needed. And in that context, in that space and place, there's this thing of opening ourselves to make room to make room for God in our hearts. And I thought of the, I thought of the, the, the verse from uh, that Christmas hymn, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Yes, I surrender. I give place in my life and my heart for more of you in that place. And so that's my ending challenge to each of us here at Mount Joy Mennonite Church. How will you allow heaven to come to Earth in your life in these coming weeks and months, throughout the rest of this year and beyond, I'd like to close with these questions. I invite the worship team to come forward. But I just uh, I'm going to read them, and then I'm going to pause for at least a minute. It always sounds like eternity It feels like eternity when it's that much. But how will you make room in your heart for Jesus? How will you live more fully in the mystery of God? And how will you move into the neighborhood so that seeds of the gospel gospel can be planted? Let's just pause with those questions in front of us. simply acknowledge that uh, it is about a posture of heart that says more of you and less of me. Like John the Baptist, he said, he must increase and I must decrease. So we ask for room to be made in our hearts afresh. We recognize there are so many things in our culture, in our context, in our place that demand our attention, that distract us, and that oftentimes keep us from from full surrender to you. But we just say again, Lord, would you come? Would you fill us? Would you open up doors for us to come and to move into the neighborhood where we live, into the neighborhood where we play, into the neighborhood where we work, into the, the, the context where you place us? And Lord, we just ask that you would make room; that we would make room. You'd show us how to make more room for you in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you.
1: Uh, thank you, Keith. That was uh, that was a beautiful challenge. Um, how how will you make room? In your heart for Jesus, we're going to think about that. Uh, we have uh, we have a chance now to uh, to be dismissed and have some hot drinks in the lobby. Uh, there's some opportunity and next steps to do sermon reflection. That's some of our uh, some sermon discussion. Is what we do in some of our classes in the adult classes, which are held down uh, the right uh, hallway as we go out. Um, there's also, uh, I just want to remind you, there's a new uh, grove room for the 18 to 25-year-olds in room 109. As we think back on the, the, the sermon there, I just want to ask you, uh, you know, John testified that, that the Word became flesh, that the Word, Jesus Christ, the King of heaven, left heaven and became flesh, became like us. But is he... Is he becoming flesh? I love that challenge to transition. In you, is he becoming flesh? Um, I invite you to, to explore what that means. And uh, as, a, as a benediction, I just want to say, let's, uh, let's let the word become flesh. Let's go in peace. And don't scare the fish.